Eighth Level Podcast is about being self-employed, entrepreneurship, and managing our online business. It's also about connecting to our souls, having the right mindset, and self-care. My name is Lourdes, and I am the host of this show. Thank you for listening to this episode today. Hi, my guest today is Dave Holly. Dave Holly is an experienced project manager for over 16 years. He also has a master's degree in project management. He's very creative, has an extensive background that includes website developer and digital strategy, and assists with a variety of TV projects, and was a producer for PBS Online. He was also a producer for many other venues and possessed many technology skills that include UI and UX designs, as well as live virtual events. Hi, Dave. Welcome for coming on to my show today. How are you? I'm, I'm, I'm doing all right. Thank you. Excited. <laughs> good, good. So um, tell me, what got you interested in doing project management? That's a great question. So, I mean, really, I had been doing it for most of my career, but didn't really, um, didn't really know it. Um, I started off um, in the television side of things um, as a producer, and I really enjoyed that. But when things went digital, I kind of wanted to move in that direction. So I got a a, um, a degree in that and started doing um, the work there. And I kept getting hired on um, as a producer, but the work that I was doing wasn't the Kind of work that I was used to. It was more about um, like um, more about um, like, um, planning for like um, the failures and different different kinds of like um, um, like events. The more and more uh, like work I did, um, I realized that that was its own um, discipline, and I wanted to learn a lot about it. So I went back to school, and I got a like, master's in it, and I started working as a um, project manager for a virtual events company, um, and that was really where I saw the difference between the producer role and the project manager role. And really, the PM side of things where was was where I was the happiest. Oh, that's interesting. So, how long were you um, into the producer role, and then you found out you're doing all the planning and all the stuff that producers do? Apparently, yeah. right. So, how long were you into that? And then when they went, and then you said they went digital, right? Mm-hmm. And then you got into project management. So, tell me more about that. Yeah. So, I was an intern on a BET back in like 1990. Five or ninety six, and I worked um, on the Planet Groove Show, Rap um, Rap City, um, um, at Midnight, um, at Midnight Love. Um, I also did a internship um, at Channel Eight, where I produced this kind of um, New Haven restaurant neighborhood um, talk show, right? And I really enjoyed that. But around about two thousand, that's when you saw the whole push towards like digital, and it was a different way that people were going to be able to consume the media, and I wanted to be a part of that. And I saw like a lot of companies hiring producers to fill a role that wasn't quite a producer role because to me, um, a producer is someone that has to um, like like they have to really deal with a very fast paced um, like environment where things are you know like changing like the talent's late or the set doesn't look right or, or like um like or things like that and they have to be able to um, like like to um, like adapt on like a like on the fly you know. But the role that I was in, it didn't really have that kind of pace. There were lots um, of, lots of um, like variables, but they were being executed by people um, and um, like teams that I really had no control over, right? So I found that the need was to really have a plan in place. So when something happened, we could just pivot and take care of it, of it that way. At the same time, I saw lots of producers having a hard time in the role um, and they were probably failing. And I was kind of like, well, why is that? You know, so I want to say like the first three years of my career was a producer and then 
from that point on, which is like 20 some years now, um, I was a PM. Oh, wow. Uh, so do you remember your first PM job? First PM job, I want to say was at, and see, they called me a producer there, but it was a project manager. So I was at a company called, um, hang on, hang on. Uh, oh my goodness. I can just see it right now. Um, <laughs> oh my God. I can't get it. Anyway, yeah, they were, um, a, uh, they were a advertising company for um, like pharma. So we did like a lot of like the advertisements. Um, it was called um, like Visera. That's what it was, mm -hmm. Visera. And uh, we did like interactive um, case studies or um, video work um, on doctors giving um, presentations or, you know, things to make the medical stuff look sexy, for lack oh. of a better word. Oh, okay. So you that was your first PM job? Uh, my first real job managing a, managing a project where we had like, you know, like on the timelines, Gantt charts, um, mm -hmm. that kind of a, on the cadence where it wasn't as loose and open-ended as a producer role. This was really like, we're going to follow the same sequence of activities for almost everything we do. And you're in charge of managing the budget, the timeline, the people, the resources, and making sure it's delivered on time to, you know, to other quality. Um, and it's one of those things where it was high, you know, like a high, uh, like high pressure because um. No one really remembers the PM if the job is done like well, but I guarantee you, if anything goes <laughs> wrong, it is going to be your fault. <laughs> oh my gosh! How do you motivate these people? Like, how many people on that first job of, as a PM did you have to manage? As you know, because you have teams, right? Yeah. So you know, I'll, I'll take a step back because I want to say so from like 2002 to two, like 2009, I was um, the general manager of a, I'm a software development company. Um, and I want to say, you know, really there, even though it wasn't project I mean, management, it was managing teams of people mm -hmm. um, to kind of get them to accomplish different things. But in that role, I had the authority to hire um, and fire. As a I mean, PM, the challenge is, as you know, it's like, we don't have that kind of like authority, right? We have to get people to get stuff done when they might not want to like do it, or maybe there's something else that they actually have to get done like, like before that. So really, I found that the way to get things done would be to really understand who does the work, understand what's in their like, you know, what's in their way and try to help them get those things out of the way. Because at the end of the day, I can't make someone do anything, but I have to make sure that I get something done um, by them because I can't do it all um, like on my own. But it's, um, you know, building those like uh, building those other friendships and having people genuinely want to work with you because they care, not because you ask them to. Hmm. And have you ever had somebody that, that you work with that didn't give a care? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have to like take them outside. No, I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> no I mean, you had that. I mean, it's like there are there, there are always going to be people that for whatever reason, maybe don't want to work with you, don't have the time to work with you or whatever. And you just have to figure out what it is that they need or what's in the Way or what it is that's causing them to have an uh, like a um, issue um, with you, and then work like it's like work to um, like you know work to um, like like, uh, like resolve it. Because I mean, really, there's no need to be mean to anybody. And I kind of feel like people that are in those positions or are or are acting like that. There is something wrong, and you might not know what it is, right? And it could be something like like family, or it could be something oddly personal. But taking the time to listen to them and to kind of sympathize with like where they are changes things and um you can make you can make friends where you didn't think that you actually all they could you know yeah you know and it made me think of like some of the clients can be demanding hmm. and maybe cause a lot of stress because like you said they can be mean and they don't need to be but for some reason they are yep. 
How do you deal with that type of stress? Because as a PM, do you have to be like smiling at everybody? You know how you do. People, <laughs> when people work in retail and then you're the cashier you and people yell at you and whatever, as the cashier, you still got to sit there and smile. So as a PM, do you kind of still have to sit there and smile too when people are mean? To a certain extent. I mean, because on the PM, you're technically... You're, well, I shouldn't say technically, but you're um, usually facing um, like internally. So you don't have to deal with like the customers. Um, sometimes you do, but more times than often you're dealing with the internal teams to get things done. So in that respect, you don't always have to smile because you're typically working on the same things under the same types um, of, of, um, of, um, of the pressure. But if you are facing a client or talking to them, they want to see you um, like, like um, they want to see you only smile. And um, I always look at it as, Really, my role is to be an extension um, of their business with us, right? So I, I want to always try to operate like I'm working on their team, trying to get something done from the team I'm on, right? So there's that kind of, you're working for two people in a sense, because you have to answer to like your team and the client. Um, and it's not, it's, it's, it's not always, um, like always easy. Um, I definitely had had some like, like clients where I was rolled off the project because they just didn't get along with me, right? I don't always have the best personality. Most people do like me, but... I'm not going to do something I don't believe is right for the project and I will protect my team um, like fiercely because wow. the team is the one that, that, is, that um, is going to get the job um, all they done. You know, so I learned early on, protect the resources. You know what I mean? And always, I mean, as a PM, you have to document your work, right? Because you're the first person that someone is going to be coming after if something goes on the, goes on the wrong. And really all you have are the notes you like, took to like, like back you up. You know, so they better be on point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So producer, it's it's kind of like on the go, on the edge and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And in PM, you have a timeline and all that. So when you have this timeline and 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 the way things are that you just mentioned, how do you are you like a, a patient person? You have to be. You have to be like um, a slender reed blowing in the wind. Right. Because a project is chaotic. Right. There are a billion things happening and they don't always happen on schedule. So you have to be able to adapt. And really, you've got to be the person that's going to hold it all together, because if the PM loses it and they seem flustered, everything is going to fall apart. Right. But if you're able to kind of maintain it, take it in, find a way to like let it go afterwards, everything is going to work out right. But I mean, the people look to look to you to get it done. And I mean, I look at it as like the project will always need your help. Right, it's, it can't do anything on its on its own. So it'll always be thankful that you were um, um, a part of it. Of it. The other thing that's really awesome about that is that the projects end. Right, there's always a fixed end date. So no matter how bad it is, it's going to be over by X X date. Right. So you got to look at it like that also. Yeah, that's true. But sometimes you can't wait till that end date approaches. <laughs> that's right. And then you party when it does happen. You know. <laughs> so it's so is that part of your personality is just being patient? I mean, I wonder, you know, listening to you and I know it is chaotic for PM sometimes. How does how does one get into this? I'm thinking you're kind of like a patient person in your personality, too, or are you the opposite? Well, I'm a Virgo, so I like to help everything and make it all like like better. No, but um, <laughs> Balance, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. You know, like I just I try to I try to make the make things uh, like make things better or be as helpful as I can all the time. Um, with, with that being said, I do have some rough edges every now and then, but um, you know, I really think that for me, it's one of those things where I'm adaptable, right? I always try to find a solution where there is a, like, like where there is a only problem. So for me, it was like, okay, we have to get from here to here. How are we going to do that? Let's plan everything out and then follow that particular plan. 
Um, because again, the, the PM has authority over the project plan. And that's really it. Um, then it depends on the kind of like company you're with. There are some companies where the project manager has a level um, um, like of authority that you don't see uh, elsewhere, but they're checks and balances that kind of go along with that one also. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I would say just really just uh, for me anyway, it's just, I just have always been an adaptable only person. I can kind of go with it. Hmm. That's good. So you have to be flexible. You got to be flexible and you have to be firm too, right? You can't let people walk over you. You have to be able to be like, no, we communicated this and this is what's going to have to happen. Like, I hear what you're saying, but we're going to do it this way. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's got to be tough for some people to be firm. Don't you think so as a PM or will they not yeah. be as a PM? You know, I think I've always said that being a PM isn't, it's more of a, um, it's more of a, um, it's more of a, um, a personality type than it is anything else, because you can learn the skills and you can learn the techniques and still fail at it. Right. But if you are that kind of a, um, a person that's able to, see the big on um, the picture, see what has to get done, not be afraid to jump in there and actually do it. You'll do, you'll do um, just, just fine. Right. But it's not, it's not for the week, you know, because again, it's one of those where they're really, um, you're always going to be the target, right? There's, it's a very um, a thankless um, a job in the sense that again, if it, if it goes like, well, according to plan, that's what should have happened and you're not going to get thanked. Right. But if anything goes wrong, they're coming after you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing when you said it's a thankless job, which, it, yeah, you're kind of right. I mean, working behind the scenes and all that pressure on you. So yeah, very special breed of people. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Like a crazy breed of people. Mm-hmm. Right. But yeah. excited, it's exciting at the same time. But we're the like, but like, you know, I mean, I look at it as at the end of the day, we're the ones that got the job done. Right. True. So there is that satisfaction. And, and for me, that's why I keep on doing it because I know that like my, that I contribute to make sure that we got from A to B on time in budget and the scope. Yeah. And and like, that's what I did, you know? Yeah. Very satisfying. So when you started, um, what kind of certifications did you get? Because I looked Mm -hmm. at your LinkedIn profile and man, there's a lot of like abbreviations. (laughs) I don't know what they all mean. So yeah. So I (laughs) I would say when I first got started, I got my MSPM, which was um, my master's of science, um, like in project management. And I went that route, which you don't see a lot of people getting a master's in it just because um, it is a very um, specialized degree and you, won't, you don't really need it unless you want to learn like the history of it. And for me, learning the, the history, the theory, the different approaches was what I was interested in. Um, what's interesting is that most people will get the um, PMP, uh, PMP credential, which unfortunately almost carries a bit more weight than the master's. Um, which I think is a little bit um, unfortunate just because a master's is a two or three year on the program where you can learn everything, right? The PMP, anybody can pass that test as long as you study, study to like take the other test. It doesn't necessarily mean that you know the material. It just means that you pass the test. It's also a corporation, so you have to pay to play. And that kind of bothers me because I feel like people are using that to get ahead in the industry, but don't know the actual application of it. Um, because it provides um, a framework, right? And using that that like framework isn't always easy, and you have to know how to um, like um, how to use it for the project that you are on the working working on. Um, but with that being said, I do think it's something that every project manager should should have because it's going to set you apart from people who are just like I had I had a manager like you know I'm like I'm a manager manager things where this one it shows that you have a credential. It just makes you that much more, um, like, a, that much more, um, like, attractive. I think uh, mm-hmm. to potential, you know, like, employers. 
Um, I also have a master of science in information um, technology, just because um, at one point in time, I really wanted to help companies implement different technologies, different technology um, solutions and writing down the methodology and the courseware is all stuff that I love to do, producing um, videos on how to use it, love it. So the two of those, I think, set, set me apart a bit. Um, my parents were also um, doctors. And since I didn't follow them in their footsteps, I had to get two, um, like, like I had to get two undergraduate degrees for them to leave me alone. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, wow. That's crazy. Crazy, crazy. I didn't know your parents were doctors. Oh, my God. PhD, MD. Yeah. The pressure oh. was high growing up. Yeah, and no I was kidding, child, right? So they were like, oh. what are you doing? Study. Right? You know. <laughs> now I understand. Oh I'm covering God. tattoos now. I'm like, I'm bad. I do whatever I, I, do what I want to do. <laughs> That's your yeah. rebellion part, right? That <laughs> yeah, is. It is. So what is the most fun project you have ever worked on? Mm, fun project I've worked on. So when before Six Connect, I was at a company called um, called um, called um, On24. And On24 and Six Connect are very, very similar. But I worked on this project for them called um, the Marriott um, like Voyager program. Basically, it was like a virtual event program where, no, I take it back. So there was that one, which was also fun, but Merck was the best one. But um, like the Marriott one was this really cool animated intro where people would um, like log on to learn about the company and where they're um, and like where they would work within the different um, like divisions of it. But it was just fun because it wasn't your typical virtual uh, like event in that it didn't end. It was a perpetual, um, like it, it was like it was like a, always ended, always always open on um, the destination. And it was fun because we got to do some really cool uh, things with like like on um, the graphics, on um, like 3D, like design work, and just um, pushing the boundaries of at the time what the platform could do. Merck was a very similar thing. We did this thing called the, um, the concourse for their um, for their um, sales team to go and um, get information about the different drugs, right? So it was almost like a, um, like a like marketing marketing hub, but it was super awesome because they would send us pictures of, of their actual of the buildings and we would get to like translate those into like the 3D space and make them as interactive as possible. So you could like walk down the hallways or look at like a video or have, or, or see like a, or see a person I'm like talking. And it was just fun because we got to work with the team um, at um, at Merck who actually learned on this platform. So they, so like they knew, they knew pretty much as much um, as like I did about how we could do things, so we were able to kind of kind of take that take that project to like a really advanced level, and do some pretty amazing cutting edge work. But just had a really fun time on it, and um, I still keep in touch with people on the team today. Nice, cool. yeah, that is very cool. So I'm going to ask you an opposite question: mm-hmm. What is your <laughs> biggest failure <laughs> as a PM? You know, any big mistakes? You know, biggest failure as a PM. So I wouldn't say it was as a PM, but as a I mean, manager, I was in charge um, of the project managers, and there was an employee that was really talented, and I thought he could make a good um, like project manager, and I encouraged and kind of pushed him into this particular um, uh, like um, like my role, and it wasn't what he wanted to do, and he ultimately failed at it. And I had to um, and I had to fire him, um, which was terrible because the only reason why he did that was because I thought he could do it, and I really pushed him into it. So for me, it was learning that. Just because I see that vision in somebody doesn't mean anything. They have to also like they have to also only want it because it's not it's not just the skills to get the job done, right? It's really about the personality. And he was a great guy, and just got beat up um, on the projects. So that was a really hard one. Um, you know, I think similarly, you know, the places where I still sometimes drop the ball on things where 
as a pin, you have to communicate, right? You have to, you have to, um, you know, let people know when things are going to be delayed or when you need when you need help. I think asking for help is probably the hardest thing for a lot of project managers, right? Because again, you don't want to seem weak or that you can't get the job done, but you can't do everything, right? And if you need help, it's really important to ask for that early on, you know? Yeah. So typically, how many projects do you work on now? So I'm, I'm, a, I'm a program manager now, so it's a little bit different. So like typically the programs that I manage might have two to five, two to five projects happening at the same time. So I'm really overseeing all of that, but I'm not at the tactical level. But back when I was a PM, I would say anywhere between five to seven active on the projects and they could range in duration from two weeks to six months and have a dollar value from like 5,000 to 100,000, right? Mm-hmm. And just as you go up, I mean, as the project gets bigger and the um, and there are more people on it, and like the dollar amount goes up, that's when you see those mistakes as being on the costly, you know, like like on the costly. And um, mistakes can also come at the costs um, of somebody's job. So it's really important that if you get called to task, you can defend yourself and the team because the client is going to always want to blame somebody else. Hmm. <laughs> that's true. So, um. If there was a wish list of an industry that you can work in, what would that be? I guess like a dream job as a PM, huh? Dream job as a PM. That's a good one. That's a really good one. So I would say right now, I would say uh, like veterinary I mean, medicine, just because I, I mean, I'm really attached to like my dogs. And I used to want to be a vet, but I had a hard time with like biology. That didn't really work out. But I would love to work on some projects where we're able to like put into place systems for a vet to use or, you know, medication for pets or something like that. Right. So the whole technical side of patient management, I guess. Yeah. With projects. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. So then I'm going to ask you, I know it's a stressful type of job mm. at times. What do you do to de-stress or have fun? I own a lot of guns and I like to go to the gun range. So that helps. Mm. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, yes. I study kendo, which is a Japanese like martial art. I'm a, um, I'm a, I'm a second degree on a black belt in that. Um, what is it called? I'm kendo. Sorry. Yeah. Kendo, K-E-N-D-O. And it's basically like um, like full contact fencing. You have oh. armor or like a sword and you get to like oh. beat each other up. Oh, it's cool. incredibly violent and lots of, <laughs> lots of fun. Um, so I started doing that. Um, I used to snowboard, but I hurt out a bit, but I did a part of my, um, part of my knees two years ago. So I haven't really done much of anything because it hurts to walk these days, but hopefully I'll have like, like surgery soon, get replaced and make it all better. But yeah, wow. mm-hmm. <laughs> no, but I mean, I try to stay active, but again, it's just one of those things where my personality for whatever reason I can take on, I can take on anger and stress well. Right. And, um, take it on from other, from other people and kind of, take it off of them long enough so that they can get their work, their work done and then release it somewhere else. Um, that's my superpower. <laughs> Interesting. So um, what are you working on right now? Are you working on anything? Yeah. Cause you have a big background here. <laughs> yeah, professionally I'm working at a company now where I'm looking to help them develop the process to release products into, um, into um, channels. So for example, I manage on the multinational channel and we might want to introduce gift um, like gift cards into that, or introduce um, a um, like a digital like wallet. So I introduce products into different like channels for um, for a online um, online uh, like financial um, like services company. And personally, personally, I chill. 
Um, cool. I moved to Phoenix, Arizona, uh, like Mesa. So I just um, I like to do stuff like around the house. I just got a new puppy who is destroying my life altogether. I forgot <laughs> what they were like. Um, so dealing with him and trying not to like drop kick him somewhere is hard, but I love him to death. He's just, he eats everything, like everything under the sun. I'm like, why are you eating that? Because it's a cable to my computer or whatever, whatever. But yeah, he's a puppy. Uh, you know, I forgot to ask you, are you working remotely? Yes. Oh, that's sweet, so, isn't it? Yeah. You know, I made the decision along, like maybe I don't know, after work yeah, on 24, I was like, I'm not going to go back into the office ever because it doesn't make sense. No. In the sense that like the work that I do, it's always been digital. Uh, my teams have always been located elsewhere. And I feel that when you work from home, you have a different discipline and that time is different. And when you have time with people, you have to use it as effectively as possible. Whereas in the office, people might come to the office and you go to meetings and it was kind of like, you know, laughing about something. It isn't the same where it's like, okay, I need to get this, 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 and this from you before we're done. Go. Right. Which I like that pace. I'm like, like, I'll be better. Um, I, I don't miss going, going to the office at all. Um, <laughs> Me too. You know, yeah. I like being able to, the only, the only downside though, is that the work never ends, right? Because I work from home, I find myself sitting in front of the computer whenever, Right, whether yeah. it's a Saturday or Sunday or at night, when I wouldn't do that at the office typically. <laughs> so I've been working from home since 2014. And and since I started my podcast, I ask a lot of the business owners out there what they do. And I don't know if you've heard, but we all talk about boundaries. <laughs> so so part of that because I've learned from working from home that I need to stop working. So my hours are really nine to three or nine to four. And I get off the computer, really? do client work, nothing. I may go crazy because, oh my God, I got to do things behind the scenes that I want to finish, but I have to stop myself. And so I That's started, really yeah. So, and, and it keeps you saying that I have a family, so I have to stop because in the first two years, I ignored everybody. My house was a mess. It was just <laughs> awful. And I had hired a business mentor back then. And I had struggled with, hey, I want to get things done because I'm so excited. I'm so passionate about mm-hmm. what I do. I can work 24-7. Right, but I have, I do. right? And I tend to do. Like, I'm single. I live alone. I'm like, why not? You know? Yeah. Like- <laughs> yeah. No, but you need self-care, dude. Just You're right. Like, right? You go out shooting at the range. That must feel great. You go out walking, right? With your dogs and, and doing your uh, martial arts. Mm -hmm. That's a form of self-care, but I mean, really you have to have a a time to start and end. So that's what I've learned about boundaries is that we need to work at a specific time, just like in business. If we had to go in the office, you go in nine o'clock, get out of five, same thing at home, Mm -hmm. working from home. That's really good advice, you know, I need to take that into account because like, um, I definitely just discovered that I had to have like a separate office at the house, but I have the one <laughs> that I'm using now, yeah. but then I have an actual one where I can just do work because I found myself kind of mixing up the two, right? I'm like paying bills while I'm in a meeting and I was like, this, this has to stop. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. I have a dedicated space. Now I have my, uh, when I used to live my old house, I had an office, but this one, I used a spare bedroom and it is, and then this closet is my dedicated space for podcasts. I love it. And because for me, like, it actually feels like I am going to work to a certain extent because I'm actually going to a different part of the house where it's like, just the work is over there. So it's like, I wake up and walk. Yes. So this other girl, yeah, this other girl that I know, she's been a virtual assistant for 14 years and she has a family and she was actually the one who brought it up where I asked her that question and she says, oh no, I have to have my own space. When I go in my office, that's it. I'm in my office. And when these clients tick her off, Mm -hmm. she leaves that office. 
and goes and chill in Absolutely. the living room because then you know your office is your office and it's business, right? So oh, you're right. Yeah, that's a that actually makes it like a, you a, get away a, from that a, stress, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's there. He's there waiting for you. Yeah, especially your job. It's like you will wait for you for until the job or the project is it over. Will, but you know, I look at it like this. I mean, yeah, it's stressful, but if I make a mistake, nobody's gonna die, right? I mean, this really? is not operating on anybody or I'm not gonna like crash anything. It's just like, yeah, we might lose a lot of money. I can lose my like my job, but it's not that it's not that deep, right? It's like can I, I never try to take it to um, you know, like like seriously, because yeah, we're just yeah. it's not that serious. There are some really serious things happening out there that should have the attention that, that they like deserve, you know. For sure. <laughs> what I do is not really one of them. <laughs> so I'm getting to the part of the interview where I ask you a funny or weird question. Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So what is the best or worst purchase you've ever made? If it's the worst one, why did you regret it? If you're going to tell me it's the best purchase, then why is it the best? Oh, man. Okay. So the worst one. So I buy junk, right? Like I'm an impulse, impulse buyer. If I see it on Facebook, I want it, right? So I got this thing where it was like, it looked like a little metal, like a little small metal um, film, film holder, right? But it could expand quickly to become this giant staff, like a ninjas, ninjas like staff thing, right? This thing was the most dangerous thing I've ever come across because it essentially was a big metal ribbon, right? When you would pull this thing out of it, it would just kind of like expand itself, but it would slice your finger up in the process if you were not careful. So like, I can't tell you how many times. I was trying to be cool with like like my ninja staff and like popped it open and took a chunk of my finger out and it was like bleeding everywhere. So that was by far the worst purchase ever. (laughs) Whenever I see this thing on Facebook, I'm like, do not, do not buy it. Like this is a piece of trash. Like it'll oh, hurt you and your family. Gosh. If you ever see that, do not buy the ninja staff that pops open. Yeah, because, I think yeah, yeah. Somebody gave me a, a a rod. It was like a metal rod. Yeah. And he gave it to me. He's like, use this for self defense. Right. And I'm and like, like, okay, cool. All right. So it's about ten inches long. I could stick uh-huh. it in my purse or whatever. Uh-huh. And you push this button, and it pops into this like I don't know, like a two, like four three, foot foot. Yeah. yeah. That's the and one. you can. You can hit people with it. That's right? the one. That's it. That's the one. I know now why he gave it to me. Have you ever popped it up? So like, you know how it's like, it's like a big ribbon almost, right? Like it's like a metal ribbon that's kind of wrapped around itself. Um, It's, it almost looks like a tripod stick. <laughs> yeah. But heavy duty, right? Mm-hmm. So the problem, I now I figured out why he gave it to me. He gave it to me because the thing is so hard to close. I tried smacking on the cement ground. It just okay. Close. So that one, that one's a little bit different. That's that's the actual. That's a good one. Like that one, you probably could use. Mine is it's like a piece of like aluminum or like metal that's just wrapped around itself, so that when it's um extended, it's like a I'm trying to think of what it's like. You know how like you're on like your um like your um like your um um what is it on the tinfoil roll? Yeah. If you were to take it off that uh like cardboard thing and just kind of pull it out, you make a <laughs> It's just like that, right? It's, it's just sharp. <laughs> so it's like, if you're not careful, and this thing snaps out, it'll slice your hand open, <laughs> which is done. <laughs> so wait, what is it? Is it supposed to be like a, a weapon of some sort? I, I think so. I think it's not safe for anybody to have. You know, that's the problem. <laughs> it's dangerous is what, it, is what it is. But it looked cool. Like, I was like, yeah, I'm going to be walking the streets and be like, back up. I got my ninja staff because I'm not a ninja, but whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was the problem there. <laughs> Oh, that's a hilarious story. I'm cracking up. Worst purchase ever. That was that was definitely that was definitely. 
<laughs> I, thank God I didn't see that because it, it must have been a cool shiny object. Huh? That's the problem. Anything for me, I'm like, oh, look at that. Look at this. I want that. Oh. Like, stuff shows up all the time, which I don't even need. Huh. Well, next time, one day I'll come up with a product and I'll definitely show it to you. <laughs> and I'll be like, yes, that's it. I need it. You know. Like, <laughs> So, so Dave, thank you so much for being my guest today. This has been so fun and I've learned so much more about oh you. Gosh. Thank you so much for having me. It's always good to, you know, like talk to you and um, I wish you the best. Thank you. And, get to work again you. Sometime. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks, Dave. And take care. You got to have an awesome one. Uh-huh. Bye. And join me next week where my guest helps overwhelm women with an underwhelmed life, find passion, purpose, and joy. I hope that you enjoyed this podcast and please share this episode with your friends. Please subscribe, rate, and review this episode. And as always, the show notes will be available at eighthlevelpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.